There are three types of mitzvahs that we're obligated towards. They're easy mitzvahs. Physical, mechanical. Pick up a lulav. Eat some matzah. Sit in a sukkah. Where it sits is. You don't have to have any awareness of why. We paskin mitzvahs ain't srichas kavana. Of course, if you understand the symbolism, it enhances and enriches it. But they're mechanical. Nothing's easy, but they're relatively easy for people who buy in, who are obedient-oriented. Then there's a second category of mitzvahs, a little bit more challenging. Those are cerebral mitzvahs. What ideas must a Jew believe in? Belief, tenets, emunos, theology. Part of religion, right? Religion is, has four legs to it. Orthodoxy has four legs to it. Divinity of Torah, authority of Chazal, obedience to mitzvahs, and theological beliefs. That's what it means to be orthodox. They build the table of those four legs. Believe Hashem created me, created the world. He's non-physical. He's one. He understands. He knows. Foreknowledge. Basically, you could read through the Rambam's on Imamans. You could argue this one, argue that one. Yes, Mashiach. But by and large, there's an accumulated system of beliefs. They're not as easy as physical mitzvahs. They take assimilation. But I can study them. Everyone in this room studied, right? We studied math, we studied science, we studied philosophy, we studied history. We can study, and hopefully that study will lead to belief. But then there are two mitzvahs that are absolutely, absolutely challenging. Emotional mitzvahs towards HaKadosh Baruch. Every single one of us has a mitzvah both to love Hashem and to fear Hashem. And it's a challenging mitzvah on two fronts. First of all, how can you legislate emotions? I hate chocolate ice cream. There's nothing you could do to get me to like chocolate. I love vanilla ice cream. So the truth is, a couple of nights ago, my wife asked me to go get her some ice cream. I said, I really want the vanilla. I really want the... I said, you know, let me do this for my wife. I got her super double fudge chocolate. Came back, she was sleeping already, so I was like looking at it. Maybe it tastes a little, so... I like chocolate. Why shouldn't I like chocolate ice cream? What's the chilek? Maishnahachi, maishnahachi. A little bit. It wasn't so bad, so I'm coming around. But you can't legislate emotions. But even if you could, because <laughs> you can acquire a taste, if you eat enough chocolate ice cream, you'll learn to like it. How can you legislate an emotion about a being you can't see, you can't touch, you can't imagine? And you can't apply a word to him because he's beyond any experience of human phenomena. There is no word in any vocabulary that can apply. Any word you conjure is simply incompatible with. He's not tall. He's not short. He's not big. He's not small. You pick a word, doesn't apply to Hashem. The only way to describe Hashem is to pick a word and preface it with the word not. Any word is not that. So how do I love a God I can't imagine or describe or... So the Rambam writes, Hakel Hanichbad Vihanara, source number one, mitzvah li ahava uli yira osa. This is where the Rambam states the mitzvah. Shenemar, we just said it a few hours ago, Vihahavtas Hashem Melokecha, Becholavavcha, Bechol Nafshecha, Es Hashem Melokecha, Tira, Asal Tavor, Vasidvakov, Shemoti Shemem. Now the Rambam actually describes, and there are multiple descriptions, but at least for the Rambam, at least here, there are different parts of the Rambam. <coughs> And I'll summarize, and then we'll read the Rambam. Ava means understanding and appreciation. 
Most of us in this room have gotten to the point where we don't love objects because of their physical impact on us, because they taste good, or because they make our hearts tiltillate, or because we love ideas and people that have changed our lives, that have improved us. We love our spouses because of how much they've changed whom we are. I love my Rebbe Riv Lichtenstein, not because he tasted good, but because he was so handsome. I never tried it because he changed my life. So as we mature in life, the objects of our love are no longer the physical, how they affect our palates and our hearts and our hormones. and our... We love ideas. We love people who provide ideas, who change our lives. And this is essentially the Rambam's description of Abbas Hashem. I want to understand Hashem's world. I want to understand my place in this world. More importantly, I want to try to synchronize His will with my will, as you mentioned today, if Hashem came to me in a dream and said, I could change things, I said, I'm not changing anything. It's not for you, Hashem, it's for me. Come on, is Allah Mabba mentioned once in the Torah? You think something so eternal should be mentioned here or there. That's precisely the point. Hashem does not want to present religion as a suffocating stranglehold on human experience that we're holding this way just to get to the next world and punch our ticket to 72 virgins. If Hashem told you there's no Olam Haba, I wouldn't change a thing. I promise you. And none of us will change a thing either. Because we see the content and the meaning of a life of dignity and nobility and values and serving a Kodesh and selflessness. And where would we be this morning if we... If we, if we we'd be this morning if we wouldn't be learning Torah, studying, community, celebrating, family. That's Abbas Hashem in the Rambam. Essentially, studying a Kodesh and understanding HaKadosh Baruch Hu and how he relates to your life. It's not just philosophical inquiry as Socrates and Plato would have it, but the study and the ability to twin his will with your will. So the Rambam writes, source number one, just to see the Rambam, line number one, very famous Rambam, You see the majesty, the beauty, the spectacle, the infinity, the boundlessness of Hashem, and again, people see it differently. You have to be able to... We're living in a world of monochromatic. Everyone has to be the same. Some of you are mathematically oriented. So you'll see HaKadosh Baruch Hu and then the way the world is built on math. And so, some of you are more aesthetic and you'll see beauty. Some are tuned to nature. And of course, you tell them the Torah and history. Everyone, everyone has that hub through which they stream knowledge of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Raman describes how it translates into passion. It can't just be dispassionate and detached. Line number two, Miyahu Gedola. You want to praise Hashem. And in Hilchas Tshuva, he converts it not just from a distant knowledge, but from a knowledge that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's system for us accords with our life and enriches our life and advances our life. Therefore, I love HaKadosh Baruch Hu because it makes sense. Because I see him in this world, I understand him in this world. Think of one word to describe Abbas Hashem, synchronicity. I sense synchronicity between those books and my heart. Between his will and my instincts. Between command and human experience. That's Abbas Hashem. Very famous Rambam and Tshuva. Probably one of the most famous lines of the entire Sefer of the Rambai. I felt compelled to quote it. How could I give a shir and Abbas Hashem without quoting? Line number two, last line on source number two. Al pi ha ti It's almost impossible to find a line in the Rambam that's more famous. Al pi ti Again, it doesn't. Some people think it means philosophy, sterile thought. No, understanding and translating. Understanding, quite frankly, that's how we fall in love with 
people. We understand them better. We, we get to know them. We, we understand whom they are, their lives, their values. And we're attracted to the good and the virtuous in people. That's the mitzvah of Abbas Hashem. What about the mitzvah of Yiras Hashem? Yiras Hashem is something you'd think is native and instinctive, but it really isn't. And Shlom HaMelech is aware of that, and David HaMelech is aware of that. David HaMelech writes, source numbers nine towards the bottom, Reishis, Chachma Yiras Hashem. Chachma. It's Chachma. It's native, it's instinctive. You fear Hashem, you're afraid, you're terrified, you'll be punished. You... Shlomo Melech writes in Mishlei, source number five, Im Tevakshenekakasef, you'll search for it like money. Vichematmonim techapsena, az tavin yiras Hashem, vidas elokim timza. So it isn't this instinctive terror or dread. That's schoolboy fear. And maybe that's healthy as a brace when we feel weak religiously. Threat. <coughs> But you can't build a religion based on threat and fear. And certainly not in our day, because modern man is courageous. If Cook talks about this extensively. Because of all the wars we fought, because of how we've controlled nature, one of the ethos of modern consciousness is we're courageous, we're brave. We're... That may have worked in an era of fear. Travel back in time 500 years, people were afraid of the monarch, afraid of him. So you're afraid, so translate. We don't live in that era anymore. To create a, a system of fear and guilt and terror, it just it won't stick. It will be, at best, even if it's accepted, it will be detached from identity. Probably won't even be accepted because it's so foreign. Yerashamayim doesn't mean we're afraid of Hashem. There's, it's hard to find a word for it in English. It's a word somewhere between the following three words. Think of it as a triangle, and it's the midpoint of the triangle. Or transcendence and difference. We know that Hashem is not like us, we're in awe of him because he's beyond us. He's transcendent. He's not whom we are. The word kadosh does not mean Hashem's holy like your grandmother was holy or your grandfather. Kadosh means different, beyond, detached. Think of the bracha, Ata kadosh, v'shimcha kadosh, v'kidoshim b'chol yom yaluchasela, kikel melech gadol b'kadosh, ata, Hashem. Would you mind telling me what that means? You just say the word again and again. When we describe Hashem's chesed, we iterate how you're a bala chesed. When we talk about a Kodesh Baruch and the Avos, all of a sudden we talk about Hashem's Kedusha, we say nothing. I get the point, but tell me what it is. That's the point, you can't. If you say any word, then it's not Kedusha. Kedusha means he's beyond. There's no way to insert a word. In, in, in Kiddusha, we say Kaddish, 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 because we just repeat because we can't explain. It's like Beethoven's fifth. There's no qualifier. If you qualify, then you strip it of its meaning. Hashem is just beyond us. And we know we can't understand Hashem, and we submit to that mystery. And that's why it's the polar opposite of Ava. Ava stems from understanding, synchronizing, decoding, understand Hashem's role in this world. We understand how he impacts our lives, and we love him. I love HaKadosh Baruch If you ask me why I love HaKadosh Baruch I have a very, very clear movie in my mind of what my life would have been like without being an Ovid Hashem. And it isn't pretty. It's probably rated R. <laughs> Not a good movie. 
and I've got a better movie, and I'm living a better, and I say, well, what brought me from one theater to the other theater? I love it, thank you. Yerashamayim is when you can't understand Hashem, and that's why they're such powerful compliments. And in human experiences, they are completely dichotomous. You can't understand something and not understand something. They're complimentary. Source number three, it's a medrash. Again, I'm just quoting these sources very quickly. Shein lecha ahava b'makom yira, v'yira b'makom ahava, ela b'midas hakadosh baruch hu. Shouldn't be in awe of your spouse. Should be in love with your spouse. You can't have yira. The other things we're in awe of, and we can't love them. I'm in awe of ideas of physics that I just don't get. I'm not that skilled, I haven't read much of physics, when I hear about these concepts, I'm in awe. I don't love them. How can I love something I can't describe? So, There are parts of my life that are awe-inspiring, and there are parts of my life that I love. And the two don't overlap. With the Kodesh Baruch Hu, they're meant to overlap. And not only are they meant to overlap, they're meant to pollinate. And this is what makes it such a powerful, emotional inner world. The biggest Amaris in this building... I don't want to embarrass you, but I can't remember your name again. I'm not very tired. Rabbi Kleiman. Rabbi Kleiman is the biggest Amaris in this room. <laughs> Why? Because he knows so much Torah. Everyone else here is an Amaris about the fact that Amaris. We don't know what we don't know. You know so much Torah, you're so aware how little you know. Because the more you try to discover, the more you realize how little you know. I tell the boys every year when they come to Yeshiva, you're here in this year to become an Amaretz. Well, what do you mean? We spent all that money, we got on the plane. Because <laughs> now you're an Amaretz about your Amaretzes. You know, oh, I, I passed the test. I know five lines of Gemara. I got my sixth form. I'm the top boy, top girl. And then you get to the base madness and you're an inchworm. And then you learn for 10 months and you realize, I don't know nothing. So you're a Tamachacham about the fact that you're an Amaretz. You know, like if Einstein were here, who would be a bigger Amaretz about physics? Not me, because I don't even know what I don't know. He could say, I understand this phenomenon, I understand this approach, this issue, I can't really wrap my head around. So he could articulate his lack of knowledge. I'm so far, I can't even articulate it. So you can only reach awe when you try to understand Hashem. Until you try to understand, you can't know how little you know. So the attempt to understand Hashem yields the recognition that you can't understand them. And the recognition that you can't understand them protects and preserves the integrity of you trying to understand them because you know you're trying to understand something you can't. You see that cycle? I try to understand them, I realize I can't understand them. Once I realize I don't understand them, then I understand them. If I think I understand Hashem, I don't understand them. If I know I don't understand them, then I understand them. It's a cycle. You try to understand them, you're like, I just can't. This is the Rambam. Now you know you can't, now... You realize what you're trying to understand is the unknowable and the inscrutable. And that's why, again, the, 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 there are psukim across Tanakh that try to conjoin this. But the Pasuk that's most familiar, that's most potent, is the Pasuk we say in Davening every day, source number six. They saw so much at the Yamsuf. It was a prophetic moment. Mitzrayim wasn't a prophetic moment. The slaves weren't prophets. Because I'll say that simple people at the Yamsuf 
saw more prophecy than some of the greatest prophets in history. So they saw Hashem. What's the next Pasuk? Vayari Yisrael Siyad Agdala. Vayiru. Hear those two words? Re'ia. Yira. Re'ia is seeing. Yira is not seeing. Re'ia enables Yira. Yira preserves the integrity of Re'ia. Seeing Hashem? Wow, I can't understand. It's too far. But you, it's beyond us. Oh, now that you know it's beyond you, now you're seeing him. Now you understand Hashem's being, and, and then you try. So they're not just complementary forces. I love Hashem, I'm in awe of Hashem. Let me say it a little sharper. When the world makes sense to me, then my Abbas Hashem surges. When the world is mysterious and baffling, then my Yuras Hashem surfaces. And that's really the two pistons that drive this engine of emotional Vodas Hashem. Avram is called the Ori of Hashem. He's the only person in Tanakh to be called an Ori of Hashem. It's based on a Pasuk in, um, I think I quoted source number seven. Because he was the first person to synchronize. Because for 2,000 years, remember, you read, we read Parshas Bereshis and Shemos in two weeks. Parshas Bereshis and Shemos unfolds over 2,000 years. A third of history is condensed into these two Parshas. For a third of human history, no human being got it that Hashem is kind, not angry, because all they saw were expulsions and floods and anger and punishments. That Hashem is one, not multiple, because all they saw were diversity and dichotomy, and this world can't be based on one being. Avram understood it, and he also understood that Hashem wanted human beings to prosper. He's not angry at us. He doesn't want to flood us. He doesn't want to dismantle us. He wants us to prosper. Unfortunately, there are consequences to moral dysfunction. And that's why Avram wasn't just a philosopher. He had a hard time. Who was this man, Avram? Was he Socrates, Plato? Or was he Mother Teresa, a do-gooder? Who was he? The answer was he was both. Because he spoke of a benevolent God, and he had to be an agent of that chesed in order to demonstrate that a servant of Hashem is also an agent for human advance and human experience. So I was the first person to get it, to synchronize, to understand the overlap between Hashem's will and my will, and Hashem's interest and my interest. And then Hashem said, I have one last test for you. I know you can serve me when you understand me. Now let's see if you can obey me when you can't understand me. And not only can't you understand me, you shouldn't understand me. Because if you do, you're a murderer. Take your son and sacrifice him. And there's no way that the human mind can justify that, and we shouldn't justify it. And Avram passes the test, and I'm not going to discuss the Akedah. Why? What does Hashem tell Avram after the Akedah? Look at source number eight. Al Tishlach Yad Chalanar, Al Taslom Euma, Kiata Yadati, Kiyurei Elohim. You've shown me you're an eye of Hashem. Now I know you, Yurei But again, this has to happen at the end of his life, because until he tries to understand Hashem, he can't understand that he doesn't understand Hashem. He has to spend his entire career thinking that he understands Hashem, and then knows about these parts I can't understand. The Akeda can't come before, just like Yira can't come before Ava. There's a sequencing. Those are the two emotions that sit at the heart. Religion is not just mechanics, it's not just thought, it's emotion. 
Someone asked me the other day, what did I value about my Rosh Hashivos? Some people went to the Shiva Paul and others. When Rav Luchtenstein was in the room, when Rav Amital, my other Rosh Hashiva, was in the room, you could feel Akash Baruch I can't describe it to you, but you could feel him, and they made him intimate. They spoke to us about him, Akash Baruch We felt as if he was in the room. The Bonishal was in the room. We felt that presence. We created intimacy that... Mitzvahs, okay, before I'm not before mitzvahs, you believe, but the deepest level of identity are our emotions, are that inner life, not our hands and not our minds, but our gut, our kishkas. And those are the two quadrants of the emotional relationship, the quadrant of Ava, the quadrant of Yira. So what does this have to do with Eretz Yisrael and with today's conversation? Why might it's an important issue? And I'd love to talk about it at greater length, but they only gave me 40 minutes and I'm blaming it on Paul. But what, what does this have to do with, with Eretz Yisrael? Well, history changes the dosage. In theory, they're both equal. In theory, they're both balanced. Yira, Ava. During the times of life, we understand Ava surges. Think about the last time religion really made sense to you. You know, Kippur, Sukkot, you know, whatever it was. You were thrilled. You maybe didn't express it, but... And then think about the last time life didn't make sense to you. There was an illness, there was a tragedy, there was a frustration. Why did Hashem do this to me? Why? And we fall in our Yerushim. I don't understand. I don't understand. We talked about yesterday, the question about homosexuality. I don't understand that, so... Okay, I have a kasha. Shas is full of kashas. No one's gestorben when I have a kasha. No one ever died based on a kasha. But in Jewish history, over the last 1900 years, Yira surged and Ava receded. Because quite frankly, and we talked about this in this room a couple of months ago on Tisha B'Av, the last 2,000 years, oh my goodness, didn't really make that much sense. The world didn't make sense. The world was mysterious. Jews were being persecuted. So Jews migrated towards Yira away from Ahava. I'm going to speak later today in London about Hasidus. Hasidus tried to recalibrate this. That, that was Hasidus. Hasidus isn't just fish touched by rabbi. Hasidus is a very deep historical response to the fate of Jews in Galus. But let's not talk about Hasidus. Let's talk about our world in Israel. Our world in Israel, we feel as if the world has shifted. We feel as if the world now makes a lot more sense than it did 100 years ago. We have our people. We have our peoplehood. We have our land. We have our kotel. We have a superpower. We're back in history. We're partners with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Shir HaShirim basically is turning open every day. Another page of Shir HaShirim, another page of Shir HaShirim, which is beautiful. And I'm all in. And I'm a settler. I'm an obstacle to peace. Don't tell the BDSers that. But it has created in our world less Yirashamayim than is necessary. We feel in our world too close to Akash Baruch, as if he's our brother and our friend. And, our... and I understand that the Haredi world doesn't have to deal with this challenge because it's not... 2019, as far as they're concerned, it's still 1719, which is fine. I'm not disparaging it. But we feel as if there's been a shift, 
Hashem is with us. He's performing miracles. Everyone here knows as much as we've invested in our money and in Sal and our soldiers. Come on, the amount of missiles that have fallen. I feel Hashem literally tapping me on the shoulder every day. Why am I here? How is that? Every day. Hashem is he's my partner. I'm his partner. I feel so close to him, and I'm thrilled to feel that. And I'm in no way willing to relinquish this. <coughs> but in our world, the Yerashamayim is a little bit deficient. And it was on display about 12, 13 years ago. And with this, I'll conclude. 12, 13 years ago, 2005, 2006, when we disengaged from Aza. Very t- traumatic experience. Leading national religious rabbis from our world announced weeks in advance, infamously, the following Hebrew phrase, Hayo lo tihiyeh. It won't happen. As if you can guarantee Hashem's will. You can if you feel like you're his partner. Because you feel so close to him. I was just astonished. 70, 80 years after the Holocaust. 6 million people. You're guaranteeing Ratzon Hashem? Hashem let the Holocaust happen. You all of a sudden, I wasn't angry. I was just astonished. I knew where I came from. Because that's how we live. I feel like our Kodesh Baruch was in my living room. So I can just go ask him or interview him. <coughs> The Haredi world didn't really protest that much. But when the protests did finally emerge, the letters were totally different tonality. The letters were, we don't really know the Derech Hashem. Literally, they quoted, they quoted say, for Eof, second from Eof, we don't know, we don't know, Derech Hashem, Malakel, Yitzhi Malakel, Kalumas Kolchoyda, and please Hashem save us. And our tone was, eh, it's not going to happen. I can, I can promise you that, because... I've got the ends with Hakadosh Baruch and then we all woke up one day, and it happened. And then you want to know why there's so many 35-year-old kids in Israel who aren't religious? Because as adults, we understand that rabbis—not all rabbis, but some rabbis—say things that are a little bit inappropriate sometimes, unthought of properly. That was an inappropriate statement, and they're going to have to be held accountable because you don't—you don't talk like that. You don't talk about Hakadosh Baruch He's not your kid brother. He's not achi. Achi, achi, my achi, your achi, my achi. He's kyan alchi yashadak yisirim v'nisa. Shochim rom, rochi barabos. Nel amen yekochai. And he's also, he's also living with me in Alon Shvot and living with me in Eretz Yisrael. And as adults, we understand that, but as, if you're a 15-year-old kid and all these rabbis say it won't happen and you wake up and it happens, it's a crisis of faith. That's one of the challenges facing us in our world. We're here to celebrate national Zionism and religious Zionism. We also have to understand the challenges. One of the legacies Ravaran gave us, Ravaran would always assess different communities. He'd talk about the Haredi community, give the pros and cons. He'd talk about in our community, 15 pages of critique and how we can change. That was his derech. I'm not interested in what's happening. I am interested in what's happening over there. Let's look in our own mirror. If I could wave a wand and make one sea change, in the consciousness of our community, a little more Yerushalayim. You ever see the way people daven? I don't know if you've been in Eretz Yisrael recently, in some of these Israeli yeshivas, Meshagur Apostles, you should daven like this, possibly like this, submission. Let me tell you how my children daven in their yeshivas. And again, I'm, I understand it, I'm thrilled with it, but it has to be balanced. You ever see? I'm sure you've seen it in Eretz Yisrael. I have to buckle my seatbelt because it could get a little bit turbulent here, so I apologize. <laughs> 
But you've seen the davening, if not walking to any Israeli yeshiva or when the Israelis come here. I never see the davening with the hand. That's not my masara. It's a little bit audacious. I understand that. It comes to Chesed a little bit. But it's reflective. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit there policing the way people make gestures. I'm more interested in what's happening inside, in their hearts. And that's the Ershamayim. So that's the challenge of Eretz Yisrael, this will continue. Your challenge in Manchester? No more Abbasashim. Honestly. Because you feel distant, and you don't understand, it's anti-Semitism. Try to find the way the world makes sense. Our challenge in Eretz Yisrael, no more Yerushalayim. The Zohar says as follows, Ma bein hai lahai, source number 10, what's the difference between Ava and Yira? One Pasuk says, if there's Hashem is Simcha, one Pasuk says, if there's Hashem is Yira, Simcha, Yira. Khan, this is the language of the Zohar, you can't make this up. Khan, bismana di Yisrael, sharyan ba'ara kadisha. When you're in Eretz Yisrael, you have Ava built in, if there's Hashem is Simcha. It's a natural location for Ava. Make sure you protect your Yira. When you're in it's a natural location of Yira. You have to increase the dosage of Ahava. That's the challenge in our community in Eretz Yisrael. And um, to accept that there's mystery in life. And not just the challenge state-wise and nationally, but in your lives. You can have moments of, of befuddlement, of mystery, of puzzling. And those are the moments you draw upon Yira Shemaim. You say, walking out of Auschwitz is not a moment of Ava Hashem. Walking out of Auschwitz, and I, uh, the challenge when you come to life is when your life doesn't make sense. So you, you raise your mind. Well, have a good day, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much,